Hello, and welcome to episode 251 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories, one page and one panel at a time. In this episode, we have an interview with Aaron Wuberski, the creator of Blood and Fire on Kickstarter now. This is Matt, and Noah's not here today, so we're just going to jump into uh, the bio with uh, Aaron and a elevator pitch for this awesome book that's on Kickstarter right now. Hello, everyone. Uh, hi. Hi, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How's how's everything going? Uh, crazy, as you can probably understand with Kickstarter. Sleepless nights. <laughs> so uh, so uh, the the bio. Let's uh, let's jump into that right now. Okay. Uh, I'm as you can probably tell from my accent. I'm not American. Um, I'm from Britain, originally from Scotland. I uh, came over to the states in that 2018. Um, loving it. Though not really the beer, <laughs> definitely need to definitely need to improve that. <laughs> uh, I've been writing uh, God for years, um, but I've only just recently got into comics and graphic novels. Uh, kind of like almost by accident, really, kind of fell into it because um, I wrote my first uh, graphic novel as a TV script, okay, um, through, through an agency, and they were kind of trying to push. And selling it to like uh, Netflix and Amazon never really got hold, but one of the agencies actually mentioned it would be a kick-ass kind of graphic novel. And luckily, one of their artists, um, Ezekiel, um, we met through the agency. So he he uh, drew the first four issues of Anendra, and he's actually drawing. The, this one as well very cool fire. very cool so actually before we we do the elevator pitch for blood and fire with, with your with your bio i have a couple of questions um sure. so i'm assuming sort of you're 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 growing up in the uk um did you have any exposure to, to comics because you know here in the in the states we always hear about like 2000 AD and then we certainly know the, the 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 British invasion of of those writers that came over you know mostly did like a lot of vertigo stuff uh were you exposed to to any of that stuff as as a youth in 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 the UK not really I was more into films per se um I did read a, a small amounts of comics but nowhere near the uh some of my friends were literally obsessed with a lot of the stuff especially um like uh, Judge Dredd and mm -hmm. all the old old school stuff. Um, so it really didn't really double into graphic novels until, like I said, recently when I was kind of steered towards it and making an Enra into a, a graphic novel, which kind of opened my eyes to a lot of, especially indie stuff. Because obviously everyone knows about Marvel, DC and, you know, the mainstream. And starting out with kickstarting you know it's i've backed quite a few um indie comics off kickstarter and it's it's definitely opened my eyes to a lot of incredible stories out there very nice and i guess maybe while we're sticking in with sort of the the influences the the bio and, and the the you know sort of the thing that uh you know sparked the the creativity in you what were some of the films that you were um you know really into uh, I loved uh, V for Vendetta. Okay, I think that was the first one that kind of because I know that was a, a 
a big adaptation of from a graphic novel. So that that definitely was pretty cool. And obviously set in the UK kind of helped. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the I did like uh, the the Schneider uh, Batman because I know it had a lot of influences from uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, Dark Knight Returns mm-hmm. from uh, Frank Miller. So I, I actually read his comics after that, and the uh, I watched the uh, DC animated films from it. So I really into, really like them. Very cool. Well, you know that you know V for Vendetta being you know an Alan Moore work is is very influential, as uh, you know, and com- in comics. Uh, so that's that's probably a really great bridge to to have, even if you didn't have the the sort of uh, thoughts or the intentions at that point that, you know, graphic novels were, were a thing that you wanted to do. Yeah. Well, I've, I've actually found writing TV scripts is almost pretty similar to how you visualize doing the panels mm-hmm. of the, the writing the script for the artist. So I'm not sure if that, you know, kind of helped at the start because, well, the, Strangely enough, the first issue took ages to uh, to draw because he was going off the actual TV script, not an actual, not a formatted uh, like comic strip uh, script. So it was a lot of go backs. <laughs> that, that's interesting. Um, did you ever get involved in any of the projects, uh, sort of on the TV side, that ever got to the point where they were where they were storyboarded? Because I feel like. That's the closest thing um, between like, you know, film development and, 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 you know, sequential storytelling is when it gets to the point where, um, you know, the, the, the director or whoever it will be will uh, go to an artist to, to give them sort of, uh, um, uh, why did I lose the, uh, the storyboards like for, yeah. for the comics? So did you ever get involved with anything that went that far that, that they no. were storyboarded? No, unfortunately, it never got picked up or... Um... But I have seen a few documentaries about how they, they go about it with all the storyboards and like the visualization of it. Mm-hmm. It definitely got me interested in, like I said, in in comics and graphic novels. It's, I think it's it's at the moment it seems to be the indie side is definitely booming compared to the, you know, the mainstream. It's, I think there's a lot more talent that, you know, is is coming to the surface, which is great. Yeah. Um, so one of my standard questions I have when I find out the guest of the, the podcast has a, a background in, in screenwriting or, or wanting to make movies or, or TV shows is, is that, you know, I've always heard the, the adage that uh, one page um, in a screenplay should equal about one minute of, of film time on television. Is, yes. is that true? OK, so. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's that's the rule of thumb. So I think one thing that's interesting about telling um, stories in, in comics is that you will have, as the, the creator here and also working with, with an art team, is you have the ability to sort of control the, the pace um, a lot differently. Because like, you know, if we, if you and I walk in, sit down and we watch Tenet, you know, that one minute of, of film time, we experience that the same. But you could put a page in front of us and, you know, one of the panels might call to you more than it calls to, to me or, um, you know, uh, one of the tricks is, is that uh, 
the artist might drop out the background details so that you sort of move really quickly through like a fight scene and then like when it's yeah. over the details sort of come back so you sort of pause or you get a splash page where you want to check take everything in so you might sort of like pause and sort of move your eye around the page so was that one thing that you either it came to you easily or, or one thing that you um sort of discovered through you know trial and error um i tended to kind of follow the artist's um feel for it because like i was very new to the the comics like i said is like that was my first one mm-hmm. and he seemed to have a very keen eye a very good you know idea and he'd see like he'd like read one panel and thought oh maybe try and change it to this way and we you know I, I tended to kind of go with what he suggested a lot a lot of the, especially through the first issue mm-hmm uh, and then I kind of just kind of saw what he he'd do and kind of go with what I thought would be best visualizing the story and then put them in the panels. Um, and we we do have a great relationship at the you know going forward with blood and fire. It's as you can as you if you've seen the the pages he's drawn, they're mm-hmm. incredible detail and some of the fight scenes in it is pretty, pretty gruesome and pretty kill. <laughs> nice. Nice. So I wanted to ask you um, uh, a couple of questions. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that the, the first issue took a little while because um, it was still formatted as a, uh, as a, you know, a screenplay for, you know, yeah. for film or, you know, maybe like a, like a Netflix or a streaming thing. Um did when you made the decision or you know that this you know you were given this encouragement to to look into making this a graphic novel um did you get like how-to books or did you get a did you go into a comic book store you know find something that you thought looked really cool and didn't just go all right i'm going to read this and i'm going to try to reverse engineer it what was your sort of process there yeah basically all of the above um i because it was my uh, the first Kickstarter campaign, um, I kind of scoured the you know different uh, campaigns, different uh, you know even back to a fair few just to kind of get ideas. Scoured the internet for like uh, script um, templates, mm-hmm. um, examples, anything I could grab my hands on really for a, a good while, and kind of just write it rewrite it edit it you know it was i think changing because i'd written i would say eight episodes for the first season and the i went to a publisher who luckily took me on uh marcosia they said you had i had to cut that in half by at least because they wanted like four issues per kind of story arc Okay. Where I had eight issues, eight episodes, which were like 60 pages long. So um, it was it was a lot of editing and cutting. Um, so I do have a lot of material left over for any spin-offs and add- add-ons I wanted to do after the main storyline is completed. But um, to start off with, yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of research. It, that took uh, probably a fair few weeks, if not months. Nice. So that when they when you had the eight and they wanted to get it down to, to four, that was for your for your first project. 
Yes, yes. That was um the the series in total is gonna be sixteen issues. Okay. Uh, about twenty twenty-seven ish, twenty-eight pages each issue. Um and each issue or each um section of four was gonna be kind of like a what I would class as a, a series. So okay. four series uh, for TV, but then there's gonna be kind of four novel volumes. Okay, and forgive me because I know you mentioned the the name of this uh, series before, but I, I didn't catch on to that. What was the what was this first series that you worked on called? Enenra. Okay. E n e n r a. And and do you want to tell us a little bit of like what that what that was about? Yeah, it's uh, strangely enough, it was uh, about a global pandemic, and oh. I yeah, I did write it before this one, so technically I I did it first. Um, it's like a, a British Airways flight arrives at Heathrow Airport. Um, all communications, uh, they can't raise the aircraft for whatever reason, and they decide to remotely land it because it's one of the new uh, big Airbuses. Okay. So they can remotely land it. And when they open the, air, the aircraft, they find... Uh, bodies cocooned in like black fleshy mass um other bodies have been kind of eaten and mutilated and it follows richard Marin and his team of doctors as they try and understand what the hell happened on this flight and to stop it spreading as uh, as you can tell from otherwise it would be a very boring series if it was just <laughs> one episode so unfortunately the uh the virus does get out and uh it starts spreading across the globe nice and that definitely sounds really interesting so there there's four issues of that and you're planning on sort of a grand total of, of 16 sort of split into almost if this if, correct me if this is wrong but maybe like if you think of them as like seasons is that yes makes sense? okay yeah awesome. yeah that's 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 the the plan i've got set i've written the second season, all four episodes is complete. And I'm about, I'm on to issue three of the third season. So um, that's, that's progressing. I kind of paused on that while I've been concentrating on blood and fire. Um, but it's, it's always in the backbone. I'm always thinking of ideas of how to, how to make it better and changing it. Cause it, nice. it changes because I've, I've always liked the idea of like a post-apocalyptic, um, world, but you never really f- go through the journey of how we get there. Yeah. So the first six to eight pages of each issue is the future. So you you see this post-apocalyptic world. You follow a survivor as he's basically trying to survive, pretty much um, in this new world where monsters pretty much prowl the uh, the streets of London and the world. And then the main body of each issue is um, the journey of how you get there. Very interesting. So the the artist that worked on this series, that series that we just talked about, is also the same artist that's working on Blood and Fire, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he uh, he uh, drew a samurai uh, image on his Instagram, and I kind of liked it, commented on it, saying, you know, this should be a you know a kick-ass uh character for a, a series so he mm-hmm. kind of says well write one then 
Nice. So nice. I did. <laughs> so, you know, you know, okay. So was the first series of this series that we talked about, um, was that the, one of the projects that was sort of, um, batted around in sort of circles where, you know, uh, Netflix and that kind of stuff, or was this a totally different idea? Yeah, that, that was, yeah. And Enro was the, the idea kind of shopped around for, for a little bit for, for TV, um, never really got hold cause it's quite a, a cutthroat industry as you can imagine. Sure. Um, and that's when they were mentioned, it would be a, a pretty good, you know, idea for a, a graphic novel series. So that's the kind of path I've, I've chosen to go at the moment. Nice. So this is obviously something that, that you worked on for, for quite some time. Um, probably when you're sitting down at the laptop and you're, and you're typing away, you're, you, you know, you're figuring things out, you're developing carries, characters and stories, you're probably seeing some of this stuff in your, in your mind's eye and it's sort of playing out as a, as a movie or a TV show um, in your head. But then you go to, to make this a comic um, and you turn it over to your artist. What was it like that first time that either you got like a, like a notification that a page was done and then you open it up and uh, you've seen something uh, for the first time that's something that's lived in your head for so long. What was, what was that like for you? Oh, it's unbelievable. It's, I, I, don't, I don't even think words could describe it and I'm an author. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's amazing, especially when, when I first got it in my hand, um, when I ordered, you know, ordered the print, got went through all the emails about you know proofreading and it, the box came because uh, I was at work when it came so I was, I was itching to come but you know get home because my wife mm-hmm. had said sent me a picture guess what's arrived <laughs> so I was I was booking it back home because I work away from home um I actually live in Lowville Kentucky and my okay. wife and daughter are about four hours away um purely because of work. So it's a nice long commute when I go home for the weekends. So yes, it was a, a long four hour drive back home to, uh, to open my little package of freshly printed books. And it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a really great feeling for, you know, somebody that's uh, creative and certainly people who are in, you know, this, uh, aspect of storytelling is the the collaboration that you have um and it is exciting to sort of get an email from your creative team going you know page is done and you open it up and you're like oh wow that's i found it's one of two things which is pretty magical it's either they've almost matched what's in my mind's eye perfectly or what they've produced is so much like improved on what was in my mind's eye. So I'm guessing that's kind of maybe the feeling that you had there. Oh yeah. I think definitely the latter. Okay. Ezekiel, Ezekiel, the artist is, is been phenomenal. He's been patient with me. Um, and his artwork is amazing. He's, he's, all, he's always impressed me with, with what he's done from the cover. Cause he does the covers as well. Mm-hmm. of each issue um and like because he, he did one cover for the the last series and i went i'd love that for the next batch of issues because i have an idea of what each um volume 
uh, is going to have on its front cover. Mm-hmm. And I said, that would be awesome for like the third volume. And he went, okay, I'll just redo another one. So, so I've got, you know, he's just, and then he just goes, it goes back and starts again. And it's been, you know, he's been doing that from day one and I cannot fault him at all. I just hope no one steals him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm looking at the, the Kickstarter page and when I scroll down uh, to, to meet the team, um, you know, you're listed as the writer and creator and there's a photo of you. And then next to you, I'm assuming that these four cover images are as, as that's the, that's the series. And those are Ezekiel's. Yes. Yeah. Those are, those are pretty amazing. Yeah. Cause um, I've got the idea of like the different stages of the uh the cocoon mm-hmm. so you see the eye with the like the, the the flesh coming out you know the the virus coming out of his eye so mm-hmm. that would be that was gonna that's gonna be the first volume also the first issue as well so which is an incidental and then the the fourth one which is the bottom right that's gonna be the second volume page as it's coming out slowly coming out of the cocoon and then obviously uh Ezekiel's done the, the third, um, which is going to be kind of more visual of it coming out of the cocoon. And then the, the fourth one, I've got the idea of having a similar eye, but it's been mutated because yeah. that's what the virus does. It doesn't just kill you. It mutates you as well into something very nasty. Nice, nice. So I want to make sure that we maybe um, move our attention to, to Blood and Fire, the, the, the current project. So you sure. had mentioned that um, maybe the, the spark of the idea was, was seeing um, Ezekiel draw like a really cool samurai. And then you guys had this back and forth. Um, and he was like, hey, go ahead and write one. Did you have any sort of things tucked away creatively or from that point on where you're like all right now I need to I need to do this or yeah. did you have something that you're like okay I could take elements of this um and get running or were you just sort of a blank slate samurai story go like how, how did that work completely blank slate I had no clue whatsoever what to write I had writer's block for that for probably a couple of weeks I didn't even think about it to be fair for you know like I said because I had no idea I just thought his image was really cool. I've always liked the, uh, you know, samurai, um, especially anime samurai with, um, oh, like a, I can't remember the names now. Uh, can't pronounce it. Champ, Champaloo. I can't remember if that's pronouncing it right. It's very like beat pop kind of uh, samurai. I okay. love that. Um, but this, this kind of mold over over time um i always kind of like the revenge tales um but I, again i like horror as well so I, I really kind of wanted to put like a horror spin on it mm-hmm. and that i've i've i think i've nailed that with the uh, the action there's a lot of sword fighting love i would say decapitation and there's 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 a few scenes which i cannot wait for him to draw uh i won't spoil it but it's a lot of blood <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it's it kind of it, it kind of yeah evolved over time very slowly <laughs> so you in in if, if this gets too much in the spoilers and you don't want to talk about it um is the is there a horror aspect like a supernatural run or is it just sort of horror in that like it's you know it, it's uh 
you know, you know, violence, you know, a lot of fighting, a lot of carnage, like is what's, what's when you said there's horror in it, like what, what are we getting here? Yeah. There's, there's very big supernatural. Okay. In it. It's, I can't, I can't go too much into it cause it will spoil it's especially the ending. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of supernatural in it and the main character, uh, Nakaki, he's yeah. On a, on a war path. <laughs> nice yeah we don't want we don't we don't want to give you we don't want you giving away any spoilers um and also that would be a you know a great sort of tease you know you get this book you pick it up you, you're going through it you're like all right what am i going to get do i have a clue here as to like that so i, I think that's a that's a good way to, to tease it there um you know yeah. cool so and it's and it's only three issues as well uh, this, okay this, this is this is not a long haul 16 issue like the other one this is Three issues. Sync is like a one storyline. It's got a it's it's got a beginning and an end. There is you know there's no you know follow on after it. So this is the first first issue of three. Nice. So I guess a couple of questions there. Um, first being, do you sort of um, you know as an independent creator, you know you don't have the the machine of like Marvel and DC telling you it's you know it's twenty pages, it's twenty two pages. Um, are all of the pages uh, sort of the close to the same uh, page count, or do you sort of have to vary that as you know what you're what you're trying to tell in those issues? Yeah, I, I try and keep them to 27 pages purely because the 28th page I want to I want as a like a the backer thank you page. Mm-hmm. So all the all the names of all the backers will be on the, the 28th page. Nice. Um, so I. I try to keep it at 27, mm-hmm. um, sometimes kind of stretching out some scenes just to kind of fit it in. Um, yeah. And then um, I have thought about combining them into one large novel. So obviously those 28, those that 28th page would be lost, um, but I'm not doing any double pages. So it'd be quite seamless kind of merging them all together. Very cool. So I guess my next question for you would be, it seems like uh, telling a story in, in three issues would end, lend itself very easily to like a three act structure. Um, is do you, Did you use a little bit of that when you sort of said, hey, I'm going to I'm going to do this in three issues. So basically, um, you know, 27 pages, you know, divided into thirds or is it just sort of like let the story sort of go where where it goes I, I did well i usually how i start out is i write like a brief treatment like a page of the idea mm-hmm. and then i go into more detail of an outline and that kind of i split that into the issues um i actually thought about it as a four issue but um the kind of as i've started writing the you know the the action and the the characters it kind of evolved into a three issue 27 page each um story arc and it it kind of seemed to go it seemed to go really well with the like you said the beginning middle and end and it's like this is the beginning issue the second is like the middle building up to the climax which will be the the third issue and i'm i'm really really proud of the you know the team and getting this made it's it's been really really great and i'm hoping this is a uh, the start of a, a nice three 
little three-part project. Cool. So uh, I, I want to go back a little bit to a couple of the things you said there, because you had said earlier that you had a bit of writer's block, but you, correct me if I'm wrong here, you, you sort of start off with a one-page treatment. Yeah. So when you're there at that one-page treatment, um, and you know that you're doing a you, you know samurai story, does it come to you very easily that like, all right, this is where I'm going to start, and this is where I'm going to end, and then you sort of fill in in the middle, or are you sort of like A to B, and then C, and then whatever point you are uh, when you end, and I guess maybe a follow-on. Um, did it all come to you all at one time or did you do that one page treatment sort of step away from it, think about it for a while and go, okay, now I'm going to come back in here and it might not go in all of, all of these same directions. I might, you know, veer away from this, like just talk a little bit about the one page treatment and how it may have changed or if it, if you nailed it on the first uh, go through. Yeah, it, it did change quite a few times because Usually I don't actually write the treatment until I've kind of mulled it over in my head for a, you know, a while. And usually if it's still stuck in there after a couple of weeks, it's, it needs to go down on paper because so, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I think it might be a good idea. So I usually kind of put, put like major scenes or ideas down first. Um, like the, the first one I actually wrote was the ending. So I knew okay. how it how I wanted it to end at the start. Um, so that was the first thing I wrote, and then kind of backtracked from there in different ways and different characters. Um, some I deleted, some you know I embellished slightly. Um, so yeah, that's how that's how it kind of started, and I, I did go back and forth over the you know over the course of the weeks making. Because it's a lot easier in that single page to move things around, especially mm-hmm. when I'm doing the actual outline. Um, you know, this it's it's very hard when you're actually writing, or I find it harder when I'm actually writing the issue to change things around. You know, halfway through it, um, so I, I try to keep the outline as concise and point of fact as I can. So it's a lot easier to write the issues themselves, and I can concentrate on the panels. Nice. So I guess one thing that maybe, and this might be a little bit selfish on, on my part, um, I tend to be a bit of like a concept writer. Um, you know, the, the sort of something will uh, flash into my, to my mind and be like, all right, that's a cool idea. And then I, then I want to make sure that I, I make the characters relatable so that like the, the reader cares and is, is, is rooting for them and is invested in them. But like the endings, don't always come to me sort of right away. So when you figured out your ending, was that a great relief to you so that you could then sort of always, well, you said you backtracked, but I feel like sometimes when a writer, you know, is, is working out a story and they know how it ends, that that's at, at that point, it becomes very important or that's sort of like a really great sort of creative milestone because you can always sort of be working to that point and um like and then like you don't meander because i don't know if you're like a stephen king fan but like he doesn't he's you know there's there's the pantsers and there's the plotters and he's just sort of like like a pantser or he like 
puts people in a room and just sort of like lets them sort of you know develop the story in his head like that would that would give me a bit of a uh you know just sort of uh, uh like a heart attack like all right i gotta make sure <laughs> that like i'm not meandering I'm, I'm i'm on on task so like when you figured out how it was going to end was that a great relief for you uh i think so i i, I think i'm kind of a bit of both because um, I do write novels as well, mm-hmm. and I'm writing a dark fantasy at the moment, and I know how the fifth book ends. I okay. know how the whole thing ends. But getting there, I kind of meander. Like, there's characters which I didn't, you know, didn't think much of in one book is actually now one of the main villains. So it's it's it can be very... Uh, I don't know, fluid in mm-hmm. that regard in novels, but I've found it's a lot easier for me doing graphic novels to keep like a a more structured outline and plot. Um, pure, I think purely because it's a lot more confined with what you can put on the paper mm-hmm. with the graphic novels and, you know, all the descriptions and the things you can put into an actual, you know, a, a novel. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, I, I do find this um, kind of leans towards you with regards to graphic novels and comics rather than Stephen King with novels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoy like Stephen King novels. And I know that like in a prose work, um, you have the ability to, to go in and sort of describe or, or really sort of go into a point where maybe... In, in a graphic novel, um, you know, probably uh, you don't want to, you don't want to do that. I'm thinking of like, I've read a lot of like the, the wheel of time novels, which yeah. is going to be, which is going to be a series on Amazon, yeah, but there's so I many, wait. there's so many times where it's <laughs> like, this person is wearing a green cloak that's uh, crocheted and of this fabric with a medallion that's made like this. And I'm like, you, you know, you clearly couldn't do that in a comic, but like in a, in, in the wheel of time in a fantasy novel, that's so expansive, you, you, you can do that. So, uh, so that I guess would lead to a question. Was that something that you had to work at as, at being more maybe concise when you were, writing for for a uh, a graphic novel or a comic book that you were able to do and sort of your you know your epic five volume five books dark fantasy series yeah it's it's definitely a, you have to kind of kind of switch your mind to different ways of thinking and doing it um because i i dabble between them you know when i have inspiration for one i kind of go to that um so it's yeah it's it's very different because as well i kind of uh write in past tense in the novels but present tense in graphic novels so it's okay. a, it sometimes i do you know kind of uh mess myself up going back and forth but so far so good i'm i'm getting there <laughs> nice. i'm not a stephen i'm not stephen king famous yet but small small steps (laughs) yeah very cool um so again i want to turn our attention back to uh to this book that's on kickstarter uh uh, blood and fire um i'm looking at the pages some of the the preview pages that are on the kickstarter um 
the it, it seems like we have a gray brown palette um it obviously uh sort of the violent or the action moments are, are sort of highlighted with with reds was that a decision made by ezekiel or was that something that you guys talked about uh, that's that's something i wanted i was it was originally going to be just black and white mm-hmm. but i wanted the one color in there is just going to be the blood okay because i want it to kind of jump out at you um especially you know with the action scenes that are coming up and you know I, w- I wanted them to kind of like jump out at you and and he did an excellent job because i i wrote the the action scene and he captured every single one perfectly very nice um so let's talk a bit i i know we talked a little bit about the story and we know that there's a sort of a a horror supernatural um, aspect to it that we're not going to go into. Um, <laughs> but who is the, you, you mentioned the the main character of this story. It, it's a, it's a revenge story. Can you yes. tell us again, without going into any spoilers, like the, tell us about the, the protagonist that we're going to follow in this story. Um, Nakaki is a seasoned warrior. He's a samurai um, and follows his master, Lord and master, um, Nobu, he's a kind of a nickname. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's got a, a loving wife and daughter, um, but unfortunately, it's set in a time in the, like the 16th century of Japan when pretty much most of the country is gripped by chaos and anarchy, as the the government has lost control and the like the the ruling warlords of different uh, parts of the the country are just waging war, trying to seek power in territory. And we kind of see um, Nakaki at the start, um, you know, bleeding, wounded, um, seeing his wife and daughter's kind of images in front of him as he's about to be killed. Um, And then we kind of fast, you know, rewind a few days to see his, you know, his village and his, you know, tranquil life of a samurai beyond the sword um, mm-hmm. that you kind of sometimes get glimpses of in certain, you know, um, tales. And I wanted to, to kind of emphasize that with his wife and daughter. So uh, you'll you'll see them joking and being together in, in, in later kind of pages. Uh, you kind of glimpse it at like page four where you see them kind of practicing uh, sword fighting and horse riding and archery. So it's um, it's a nice little nook, little village kind of out of the way. Um, but unfortunately, you can't really have a storyline without a baddie. Um, mm-hmm. And the the Lord is um, receives a message because his brother is dying. And then if he when he dies, uh, Nobu becomes the lord of the, the the family and he doesn't want it but it's tradition so he has to go um so he takes nakaki and several of his retainers with him um but unfortunately when they arrive at the castle they are betrayed and all hell breaks loose not literally but figuratively <laughs> nice yeah so that i feel like that um, you know, what we talked about and, and we with the creative process, but I feel like that like really sort of 
um, tied everything up really good as far as, you know, story and stuff like that. So when I have people on that are running a Kickstarter, I like to ask a couple of like standard questions. Um, and I see from your profile, you, you've run four before. So you're, you're sort of, uh, you know, like what to expect. Um, but are you, what kind of Kickstarter runner are you? Are you a refresh, um, you know, every so often? I mean, personally myself, I might refresh like every minute, every 30 seconds. Um, but are you able to sort of uh, mellow out, go do something else, come in and see like what the back account is and sort of that kind of stuff? Like, or, or so I guess basically what I'm asking is, are, are you able to relax or are you there every <laughs> every moment seeing what, what's going on? Yeah, I, I don't know if there's anyone who can fully relax while doing a Kickstarter. Sure. I'm, I'm definitely a probably six times a minute, just refreshing, <laughs> just in case. Um, luckily, I say, you know, work kind of allows me to kind of pull me away from it and give me a bit of a breather. Mm-hmm. And my uh, family as well during the weekends. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely scrolling on my phone or refreshing on my computer just to see if there's been another backer or, or comment or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm with you. I'm a, uh, I'm a constant uh, refresher. You know what's going on. Um, you know what can I do to sort of improve the messaging and, and stuff like that. But when I have people on that are just like, yeah, I went, I got, you know, I launched it. I check in in the evening, see how things are going. I'm like, I'm like, you're a, you're a stronger person than than I am because I, <laughs> I, I would, I would. Uh, you know, every ding on my phone or, or whatever, I would have to look to see. It's like, hey, is that is that something related to, to my Kickstarter? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely with you. Yeah, any 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 buzz or anything? Like, my wife could be texting me, like, but you're not part of the Kickstarter. Why are you texting <laughs> me? <laughs> yeah. Do you, um, I don't I don't know if this is the case for you, but I sort of have um almost like an unspoken agreement with, with my wife that when I'm running a Kickstarter, that I'm going to be a little manic. And like, you know, if I'm walking around and I, I let out a sigh, she just goes, what is it? And I just go Kickstarter stuff. She's like, okay, just, just move on. I, you know, just, just walk, walk out of the room. Do like, do you have sort of a dynamic like that? Yes. Yeah. She didn't actually know what launched this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but she kind of sensed something was wasn't <laughs> right. And he goes, so I says, "Yeah, I'm running a Kickstarter." Go well, because I send the posts on Facebook, so it, it didn't take her long to figure out what I was doing. And then uh, she, she's like, "You're going to be a mental for the next uh, several days, aren't you?" I says, "Yeah," because I I chose to do a 20 day launch on this one mm-hmm. instead of the usual 30. Yeah. Uh, that was i think that was a mistake <laughs> learn from your mistakes <laughs> yeah uh, well def- definitely more i think i think it's probably more nerve-wracking doing a 20 rather than a 30 <laughs> yeah i've actually um i've done a lot of 30 to 31 day campaigns but i actually did a and i'll never do this again i did a 60 day campaign for two months um yeah. because um it was a slightly larger project than anything that I had done in the past. So I was worried about um, hitting that funding goal. And basically I think what I did was I just 
expend, extended the, the misery of the, the, the dead zone that was in the middle. Yeah. Um, I just, so I just sort of drove myself crazier um, for a longer time period. So I will never, I will never do that again. Um, yeah. the, the 60 days, that's, that's, that's too much for me, for me to handle. That's, that's what I did on my last one. You did for a 60 an, Yeah. For an Enders, cause I did two issues in one. Okay. I did, cause I, I was desperate to get the, the volume finished done. So I did issues three and four combined. Oh my God, never again. So yeah. after the 60, 60 day, I was like you, it was like that lull in, in the middle seemed to last forever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, right, I'm doing a 20 day next. <laughs> so I'll go, I went from one extreme to the other. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I, I just thought of a question with you, um, you know, not being um, from the States and, and, and moving here recently. Um, I'm assuming you have a lot of friends and family um, over uh, in the UK. So how do you, do you try to time messaging for the Kickstarter so that like uh, folks there might see it as well? Cause they're what, roughly 10 hours uh, ahead of us. Yeah, I do. I do try and stagger um, some messages. Um, I kind of usually send one like early in the morning mm-hmm. and then I send one like closer in the afternoon for us. Um, but yeah, there are, I think my parents are six, six hours ahead. Okay. Um, so it's not terrible, but um, yeah, I think it is a factor because especially a lot of my friends who have backed um, previous campaigns, they're, uh, they're all in the UK and, you know, they always keep, keep tabs on what I'm doing, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So, I, that that's another thing that I've experienced is that like I have uh, friends or, or you know uh, buddies that I've I've grown up with that well you know they don't really they're not really into comics but they'll back it because they're they're my friend. Um, have you seen a lot of uh, crossover from your other story? You know the the virus, the outbreak, sort of the more sci-fi like modern day horror to a um you know 16th century you know feudal japan samurai story um do you see any names that you're like okay i know that name that's one of my that's one of my backers and fans from from the other series have you have you seen any of that yes yeah and it's awesome you know when you when you see someone coming back for like like you said this is a completely different story different setting i don't think you could get any further apart if you've tried mm-hmm. um and they they've come back and and backed it so i'm i'm super chuffed can i cannot thank him enough awesome yeah that's that's a lot of that's a lot of fun and i think that's you know one of the things that like uh as creatives uh you know there's 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 the the saying that like if you can get a thousand true fans like that'll really help you like you know um and I would think, and I'm just drawing a comparison here, but like, you know, if you're a Tarantino fan, like you like Kill Bill, but you also yeah. like the Django, I was, the, not the Django, Django, um, like you just sort of, you follow him no matter what the, what the story is. Right. So like, that's, that's pretty cool that you're sort of starting to build that base here. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that's the case. And, you know, gaining fans is, 
is the dream, you know, is the dream. It's like, it makes you a writer. Yeah. And an author, you know, I could write like the best novel in the world. If no one reads it, then, you know, it's just going to collect dust on my laptop. So, you know, having, having followers and backers on Kickstarter is, is, you know, it's, it's all about them. You know, they're giving their hard earned cash for your product. And, you know, I try and, be as transparent and as clear and as I can be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if, when they come back, it's, it proves that, you know, I'm doing things right. And, you know, they're, they're liking my stories and my, you know, and my comics and hopefully the, you know, come back for more. Nice. Yeah. That actually made me think of another question for you um, with your, with your novels. Um, what is your distribution method there? Do you use, do you have a, a publisher, that that puts it out in the bookstore or are you doing like a like an amazon kindle and a print on demand like what's what's your what's your structure there uh i i'm currently writing them um mm-hmm. i've written the first novel um yet to be edited okay. um but i've i'm the going through the self-publishing route on those okay um, but i'm waiting for the second novel to be finished and then me part kind of part way at least halfway into the third one because i'm wanting to release them quite close together uh-huh. so when the first one's released um get some you know obviously some followers and but then release the second one maybe two four months separate and then by the time that's released hopefully the third one would be close to to releasing two and then you know you have a big um I'd say legacy almost to be, to be able to push and grab audiences and, and followers to be able to, you know, get the money in and help to pay for the the follow ones. So that's, that's the idea I'm kind of sticking to because nice. I've, I've gone through traditional publishing. I've sent uh, up teen thousands of, you know, query letters. And every time you, you have that email in your, inbox from a potential agent you kind of like do i open it is this the one you open it and it's one of those normal rejection forms you get and i've got to the point where i'm just sick of them (laughs) yeah i i I hear you there i think uh that's that's one of the the difficult things as well as a creative you know there's always the saying that uh you're supposed to wear that those rejection letters as sort of a badge of honor, but it's also very difficult uh, to, to hear, hear no, or, you know, or yeah, some it's, other it's, excuse, but then it's, you just it's sort more of. The, yeah. It's more the, Oh, it's, it's just not right for me. I, I didn't feel the characters as I thought I would in your description. And it just, it just kills you slightly inside. But this, I know it's just one person's opinion and sure. it's, I know it's, it's, someone out there is like right for you but you have to think about how many agencies are out there and it's it's not just finding the one right for you it's, it's being in the right place at the right time sure. with the right agent it's the the i have heard of friends you know other writers who have have made it and are going through traditional publishing so if anyone's out there i do not say don't do it <laughs> i just i just think it's the not for me at the moment um, I'm lo- loving writing. I'm concentrating on that at the moment. 
Nice. So I think, uh, you know, we're, we're about to push an hour on this uh, podcast. So I want to bring everything to a close. Um, but as we do this, um, you know, at the time of the recording, we're, we're in mid-November. We are at, uh, let's see, November 16th. This will probably go live on the 17th. So we'll be about three to four days left on this campaign. So time is of the essence um, to, to get people to come in and uh, check this out. So um, we've done this a few times, but let's talk about this story and let people know um, where the best place to, to follow you online um, to just sort of see, you know, I'm assuming maybe if you have some social media, you're posting, you know, images and, and stuff like that. So uh, a little bit uh, about the story, uh, uh, Blood and Fire, and then where to, to go to, to follow you online. Yeah, um, Blood and Fire is is live on Kickstarter. Like I said, it's probably about four days left when this goes live. Um, it's a great storyline, great action, horror. Um, you can find me on Twitter at um, Aaron underscore W-R-O-B, um, short for my surname, which no one seems to be able to pronounce. <laughs> Don't worry, even my wife can't pronounce it, and she's been married to me for 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, she, she struggles. <laughs> um, something I tease her about constantly, which is great. Brings her southern accent out all the time. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can also find me on Facebook, which is where I usually post a lot of my... Um, updates uh, i have a um uh, a author page um on there um it's if i remember rightly it's just aaron w-r-o-b okay. again um so it should be pretty easy to find and my website is a Rublevsky author dot uh, com nice so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna definitely have a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes of this podcast. So anybody listening, you know, on that pod player, just sort of hit those show notes, scroll down, click the Kickstarter link, but I'll also put links to the, to the social media that, that you just, uh, that you just mentioned there. So that, uh, you know, obviously item one is to check out this cool book that's on, on Kickstarter uh, now, but also, you know, check out that social media so you can see, you know, other, other news that will happen in the future. Right. Yeah, please do. I've got so many different projects coming up. Um, some are being um, negotiated as we speak with mm -hmm. certain publishers. Um, so there could be more Kickstarters. I've, I'm trying to, I'm dabbling into anime and manga. Um, so there's, the publishers of this are very keen on other projects of mine. So watch this space. Nice. Nice. Fingers uh, crossed. Cool. Cool. Well, the best of luck there. And again, um, I just want to encourage anybody listening, um, you know, again, um, at, at the release of this, uh, you know, time of the, is going to be of the essence to go in and check out this Kickstarter. Um, so, uh, once again, thanks for listening. Um, if you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, really appreciate it. Um, there'll be a second Kickstarter link in the show notes, and that will be to Tales of, I'm sorry, Future Sci-Fi Tales. Um, that is an anthology that Noah and myself have a, a story in 
um, that's currently uh, on Kickstarter. Um, if you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter, and that is at ConstructComPod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod, and Facebook is Constructing Comics. Uh, thanks for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.